Hey, how many people, raise your hand. Uh, you guys should be receiving some notes. But how many people have ever purchased anything from like a 1-800 number on the TV? Anybody? Any, any, nobody? Okay, raise your hand high. Be, be proud of that, okay? Maybe it was a Snuggie or maybe it was one of those ped eggs. You know, aren't those like the, the what are they called? Um, pedicure eggs. They like, it looks like an egg and it just eats all the nasty stuff off your feet. No? Is anybody, raise your hand if you've bought anything online before. Or uh, online. Online. And like the picture looked really good, so you said, I want to buy that. Um, and maybe it was good. Now that I'm older, I don't eat like Lucky Charms or... Uh, uh, I don't eat... I don't eat like all these different cereals that, that, that maybe have these prizes. But I remember when I was a kid, and maybe they still do this, and you can let me know. But like you would get a box of like Fruit Loops or something, and it would have like a prize that you could, like a thing you could pull out, and you could like fill it out and send it in, and you got something in the mail. Does that still happen? Does any, has anybody done that in the last six months and want to be brave and be like, I got the most amazing Lego. It was, it was awesome. I used to do that. Like, I was the guy that I didn't pick the cereal like, that I like to eat. I picked the cereal by whatever toy looked the best on the outside of the box. And it said, if you just do this and send this in, in six to eight weeks, you'll get this toy. But here's the deal with that. No matter how good it looked on the outside, or maybe it's, it's, uh, it's a pet egg or a Snuggie, everything that I've ever purchased, like off of a 1-800 ad, or I've ever gotten from a cereal box, the commercial was a whole lot better than the actual thing. Does that make sense? And so that's what we've been doing in this series. We have been looking at what a Jesus follower looks like. And here's why I brought the commercial thing up. It's because a lot of you, if we're straight up tonight, a lot of us know how to play the church game. And you know how to give a 30 second to 60 second to 60 minute presentation of what a good Christian looks like. Like they do on the 1-800 number. And it doesn't matter what it is. You're like, I want to buy whatever they're selling and we make it look really good, but it's not all it's hyped up to be. That's the, the purpose of this whole series that we've been going through from preschool to kids to refuge to main service. We've been looking at, let's not talk about religion. Let's not talk about what the world thinks a Christian looks like. Let's not look at the commercial that can look really good for a minute. Let's see what the life of a Jesus follower looks like. Let's see what it looks like to follow Jesus with your life. That's what we've been doing. And we've titled it Follower Here in Refuge. And what we've been saying is, if we're going to look at what a Jesus follower looks like, we should look at Jesus. And so if you look at Jesus' life, and this is going to be a recap for some of you who have been here the past few weeks. But if you look at Jesus' life, there's three relationships that are all over his life. And they are, the first one is a relationship with the Father, relationship with God. And we have, we have put a word on each of, these, each of these relationships. Does anybody know the word? Raise your hand if you know the word for the relationship with the Father. Anybody? Jessica Moxon, what do you think? Abide. Everyone say abide. abide. Very good. Okay, so the relationship that, that Jesus had with the Father, we, we have titled that abide in our church, okay? The next one is a relationship with other Christians, other believers. And we've given that a word. Does anyone know what that word is? Uh, I already picked on you. Nicole, what is it? Connect. Everyone say connect. connect. This is so nice. So good. Connect. We said, man, a Jesus follower not only abides in Christ, but connects with other believers, connects in community, connects in your church. And the last one is Jesus' relationship with the world that doesn't claim to be a follower. The world that is unbelieving in this whole kingdom of God stuff. And we've attached a word to that. And what is that word? Is there no? Uh, right back there. What is it? <laughs> Joseph. 
share. Everyone say share. Abide, connect, share. That is how we, have, how we package the life of a Jesus follower. And for students, we kind of focused it in a little bit. And we said, abide is that you would be someone who abides. Ben talked about that a few weeks ago. Did a fantastic job of looking at what does it look like for a 6th through 12th grader to abide in Christ. Abide is kind of maybe a churchy word. Man, be someone who spends time with God. Be someone who knows God. Last week, we looked at the connect aspect, and that we've, we've put as do something. Do something, not only in your church, but in community. Man, get involved with some people. Get some people involved in your life. They know what's going on, but also get involved in serving. Get involved in doing stuff in your church. That's the relationship with other believers. And then the last one we're tackling tonight is what we've talked about the last two weekends of our church. It's share. It is what does it look like for Christians to share this awesome message with the world that doesn't claim to be Jesus followers. And for us at Refuge, we're saying go somewhere. And that's kind of where we're going to land tonight. Go somewhere. And, And real quick, just to overview, we said that be someone is the most important thing. Because I cannot connect, I cannot share unless I'm spending time with God. I can't do anything, I can't go anywhere and make any sort of difference if I don't have the foundation of a relationship with Jesus. That's like one-on-one, that is the foundation, that's where it starts. Abide, connect, share, be someone, do something, go somewhere. And so we've said it this way, as you see on your notes there, this is the series statement. This This is what we want you guys to walk away from this series understanding. Today, right now, no matter who you are in the room, God is calling you and calling me to be someone that he uses to do something and go somewhere to share in the mission. That's the life of a Jesus follower. Abide, connect, share. Be someone, do something, go somewhere. It's not a 30-second commercial. It's not trying to make yourself look good for 60 minutes at church. Those characterize the life of Jesus follower. And as we've read that the last few weeks, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes when you're a part of putting stuff like this together, especially like this, this is like a sermon statement that we've said the last four weeks. There's been one part of it that every time I said it, I was like, I don't think everyone's fully on board with that. And that's the last two words, the mission. That is like something we might say a lot, especially at Hope. We say it a lot, and it's good stuff, and we know what it means. And if you know what it means, you're like, yeah, I know what that means. You had the mission. But you might have no idea when we're saying today God is calling you to be someone and do something. He used to do something and go somewhere to share in the mission. What's the mission? What, what's, what's, what's the point of, if that's like the, that's like the end goal because it's the end of the sentence and that's where everything's pushing towards is the mission, what is it? And so tonight I thought, man, what? It'd be a good idea as we start, go somewhere tonight, and we, we, we kind of let you know what the mission is, because you might be like, I don't know. So here's the mission, and I tried to boil it down in a really simple statement, and it's on your notes, so write it down. It's going to be on the screen. Here's the mission, to show the lost world that there is hope, and his name is Jesus, and even that I understand there's a couple words in there that you might not understand. We're going to get there. Hopefully we'll unpack that tonight and you will understand that when you leave. Because even when I first walked into a church, when somebody said the lost, I thought of dogs that lost their owner. Or I thought of the kid walking around Disneyland who couldn't find his parents. What does it mean to be lost? I was on Facebook a few weeks ago and uh, I was sharing some statistics uh, about students that go to school with you and how many students were lost. And I had a buddy from high school comment. 
and he's, and he's not a Christian, and I knew him at high, in high school, and he knew me before I was a Christian. He said, what do you mean lost? And it was like, wow, I took that for granted. I, I didn't realize, because I live in the world, we talk that way. I, I instant messaged him or did a, a Facebook message, and we went back and forth a little bit. I just kind of explained to him, man, here's what I mean when I say lost, because I understand that means nothing. If you don't know what it means to be found, you don't know what it means to be lost. And so... That's the mission to show the lost world there's hope and his name is Jesus. And we're going to unpack that tonight. But if you have your Bible, we need to open up to Romans chapter, 5, or Romans chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible, shame on you. Bring your Bible to refuge. I know we always put them on the screens. I don't know why we do that. It helps you guys be lazy. But uh, pull out your Bible or pull out your app, whatever you use. Um, but here's what it says in Romans chapter 10. And this is really awesome, good stuff. So pay attention. Here's what it says in Romans 10, starting in verse 10. Going through verse 15. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. That's, a, that's already like, okay, stop and let's just unpack that for a minute. That's crazy. By believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And by confessing with your mouth. So it's not only a thing you just think, it's something you proclaim that you are saved. That's how you, the Bible says, you want to know how to be saved? You want to know how to be found if you are lost, here's how you be found. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is God. Verse 12. Verse 11, sorry. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 12. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Here's what that means. I know Jew and Gentile, those are kind of weird words. Here's what that means. Everybody is able to have a relationship with God. No matter if you hate the person or you love the person or they live in Thailand or they live in Zambia or they live in Honduras or they live right across the street from you, Jew and Gentile, God is Lord over all. The bug you just stepped on and your best friend, he is Lord over all. Anything in this world, Jesus says, I own that. That's I'm boss. He is Lord over all. It doesn't matter who you are, any human being, relationship with Jesus is what they were created for. That's what that means, that Jew and Gentile, he's Lord over all. Verse 13, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay? Verse 14, but how, this is where it gets good. Okay? This is a really easy, Paul just lays out a really easy step-by-step deal on how people get saved. He says, how will they call on him unless they believe in him? So if, you, if anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, well, how will they call on him if they don't believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? See how that works? So call on the name of the Lord, be saved. But how will they do that if they don't believe in him? And how will they believe in him unless they hear about him? And how will they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can they hear, or, and how will anyone go, how will anyone tell them unless someone is sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. We take for granted, and I apologize if you've been always in the dark on what we're talking about. We're talking about lost people and saved people. We have taken for granted that people who don't know God, people who don't claim to be a follower. Some of you are here tonight, and you're like, I am a follower. Hashtag, I am a follower. I'm a Jesus follower, man. I'm all about a buy, connect, share, be someone, do something, go somewhere. I'm all about that. And you understand when we say, man... You need to know about Jesus and spend time with Jesus, and you need to go tell your friends about Jesus. But there's other people tonight in the room, and I was there when I was 16, that you don't understand why it is a big deal to have a relationship with God. When we say things like you're separated from God, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to you because you've never been with God. So you don't really understand why that's a big deal. 
And so tonight, really simple, as we kind of make our way through Romans 10, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the bad news, we're going to look at the good news, and we're going to look at why it even matters at all to any of our lives. And tonight, if you would say, I am a follower, I want you to listen to the bad news because you need to know the bad news so you can tell people the good news. And if you're not a follower, and that's okay, we're so stoked you're here. I can't tell you how much I'm stoked you're here because I was you eight years ago. If you're not a follower tonight, I want you to listen to the bad news. But then I want you to hear the good news. And the good news is for you tonight and not for the religious people and not for the people who are, you think are better than you, but for you. So here's the bad news. The Bible opens up in Genesis chapter 1, okay? Maybe some of you have heard this story. And Adam and Eve, the first people ever, are created, and they're in right relationship with God. Here's what that means. They're hanging out with God, and all is good in the garden. They're playing with God. They're hanging out with God. Man, if there was an Xbox, they'd be playing Xbox with God, or they're playing Frisbee with God. I don't know what it looked like back then, but they were walking with God, talking with God, and life was good in the garden. And then this deceiver came along. And he told Adam and Eve, he said, you know that God that you are with, if he told you not to listen to me and he told you not to eat of this certain tree, um, he's only doing that because he's scared of you. But you can become like him if you do this. So don't worry about that, God, because I'm telling you that you will become like him if you partake of what I want you to partake of. And they're like, really? Man, that's good. That's sweet, man. I, I see God, and we like God, and, and to be like him, that's cool. And so they partake of this tree that God said, hey, do anything you want in this garden. Don't eat of this tree. Bad news. Bad things will happen. And so they listen to the other guy. They ate of the, of, of the tree that God said, hey, anything you want, just don't do that. And, and I, can't I, I can't wrap my head around it. Neither can anybody you talk to, your friends that know Jesus or your friends that don't know Jesus. A lot of people try to explain everything that happened that day. Here's all we know that happened. This thing called sin landed on the planet. And there was this huge separation that happened between God and people. And again, we can't understand that. And tonight, if you don't know Jesus, you don't really care about this. This doesn't make any sense to you because separation from God is your normal life. But here's what I'm telling you tonight. You and I, no matter if you are a Christian or not a Christian, we feel the weight of this separation. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much, how much popularity you have, how smooth your kicks are, how awesome your family's car is. Whatever is good in your life, there's still a time where you're depressed. There's still a time when you have fear. There's still a time when you're insecure, when you look in the mirror and it's not what you want it to be. There's still a time where people fight and it breaks your heart or you get your heart broken or, or you break someone's heart. There's still a time where you end up and you're like, man, why is this happening? And maybe you don't know what to call it, but it's the weight of sin. It's the weight of God's design being crushed in the garden thousands of years ago. And God is over here and man is over here and there's this huge separation. That is called sin. That is called the fall. That is what we are all born into. That's the bad news. The bad news on, on, on the screen and in your notes, it says everyone is born separated from God because of sin. Again, man, I know some of you, that means nothing to you, but hear me. You feel the weight of it. You never, maybe never knew what to call it, but it's called sin. It's separation from God. And unless somebody steps in and does something about it, we are all in trouble. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that when we're done with this world, 
if somebody doesn't come to understand a way to bridge this gap, that they spend forever apart from God in eternity. And maybe you've heard that on picket signs. You've seen that yelled through a megaphone. That's not what we're trying to do tonight. We're trying to just unpack the Bible and say, just like Paul says, man, there is a Lord who is generous, but you have to believe on him and call on him to be saved. How will they believe if they don't hear about it? And how will they hear if somebody doesn't tell them? And how will someone tell them unless they go somewhere? How will this all happen unless somebody gets involved? The bad news is that we're all separated from God by sin. Here's the good news. Hallelujah for good news. The good news is, is that Jesus, God of eternity, saw us in our state, our helpless, hopeless state of what we were in, right? God and people separated. No way we can jump the gap. No way we can try to figure out how to work our way and beat all the odds and try to stack our good deeds up and try to bridge the gap between us and God. Only thing that could bridge us and God is somebody who was perfect taking on the weight of all of our sin. And the only person that could do that was God. And so Jesus steps in. The creator becomes part of creation. He lives a life. He never sinned. And for 33 years, he was aiming for one purpose, and that's to take on the sin of the world. My sin, your sin, the sin of the world on Jesus. And he he creates this, this, this bridge on the cross where you and I now have access to God. That's what the Bible says. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 5, verses 6. Verse 6 and then 18 and 19 says, When we were utterly hopeless, here's the utterly hopeless stage. When we were utterly hopeless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. Verse 18, skip a little bit down. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So Adam's sin messed it up, but Jesus' obedience fixed it. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will, will be made righteous. And this is where Paul's talking about, man. There's, there's good, really, really, really good news. But people got to hear about it. Because if they don't hear about it, they don't know about it. And if they don't know about it, they're still utterly hopeless and helpless. I, w- I want to uh, show you a video. It's, it's really cool. I, I love this video. It's by a, a rap artist named Propaganda. Okay? He unpacks what the good news is. So it's, it's a few minutes long, so check out this video um, about the good news. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. God. Yes? God. The maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance. Seen and unseen. What can and can be touched. Thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans. God. All of it is handiwork. One of which is masterpiece. Made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept, so cold. It's the reason I stay bold. How God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. 
formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited. Black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma. Choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says as part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect. Or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins.
That's the good news. God, our sins, paying everyone life. That Jesus is, in the video it said, if you could get somebody who's perfect to willingly give up their life, that was the only way that God and man came back together in perfect harmony, in perfect unity, in, in how it was created. And Jesus says, yes, I did that. I'll do that. But the problem is, there's so many people. Not only, I'm, t- I'm not talking in the bush in Africa. There are a lot of people there too. But a lot of times we think, oh man, oh man, there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. I got to get on a plane. I got to go on a mission trip. And yeah, that's part of it. Go somewhere far. Get involved in missions around the world. So people can hear about God and they can understand that Jesus paid a price for the sin that they don't understand. But also go across the locker room. Go across your text message to your best friend who you know doesn't even know Jesus. And you come here every week, and I come here every week, and I'm just as guilty. How will they know if somebody doesn't tell them? Because somebody, so many people that you and I know and and hang out with and maybe talk to today or text today are going to text as soon as you leave this place. Or, yes, people all over the world Many people who don't even live in a place where they have a, 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 a translation of this where in their language, they just don't know it. How will they know unless somebody tells them? So the good news is that God made a way for us to be right with him. So what does it mean? What does all that mean? As people who have the truth of what we just talked about, we are stewards of that. Here's what I mean by that. We have been given the responsibility. God says, man, you have this awesome, awesome privilege of knowing everything we just talked about, that there was this huge separation between God and man, but there was a way for that to be made one and whole, and you have that truth, and here's what a lot of us do with it, just like our cell phones, we put it in our pocket, and we don't want anyone to see it. And there's a whole bunch of people around you and a whole bunch of people around me that are totally in, in the darkness, totally in, they don't have any clue about what we just talked about. And I love how Paul is just very simple. How will they know unless somebody tells them? Unless somebody goes somewhere, if that's Thailand or Zambia or Honduras or your best friend's house or your own house with your parents or your brothers and sisters, How do I show people Jesus? That's the question. Okay, man, that's great. People need to know, but how? How do I do it? And I want to just piggyback on exactly what our church said. It's two things, at least two things, but here's the good stuff. Through my life and my lips. You show people Jesus through your life and through your lips. Here's what we mean by that. Through your life, the way you live. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. I love this verse. We've talked about it here before. It says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hit those lights, Patrick. The Bible, I love, always talks about Christians having light or being light. Why is that? Here's why I think that is. It's because light, if I walked up to Kim right now and shine light right in her face... She knows something is different. My eyes hurt. I was totally seeing fine. My eyes were adjusting to the darkness. But now I see all this light. Something is different. It cuts through the darkness. I love when the Bible says, man, let your light so shine before men. 
that they may see that there's something different about you. The way you live your life, the way you interact with people, the way you interact with your teachers, the way you handle a bad grade or a good grade, the way you handle making that touchdown that everyone cheers for you or missing that touchdown where everyone thinks you missed it. The way you handle everything in your life is you letting your light so shine before men that they may see what you do and glorify your Father in heaven. They may see what you do and they start asking questions. Why are these people this way? Why is this person this way? Can hit those lights, Patrick. The reason I think the Bible talks about letting your light shine before men is because light is different than darkness. It cuts through and people see there's a difference. So the question for you, the challenge for you is, man, can people look at your life and see difference? I'm not saying you have to walk around with a Christian hat on or you have to walk around with a Christian t-shirt or you got to make sure you're all blaring and when you pull into the parking lot at school, you know, SOS radio and telling everyone you're a Christian by the radio station you're listening to. But I'm talking about your life, how you handle yourself. But it's not just your life. That's the bummer of how we've kind of majored on the life part. There's a famous, really famous quote. I'm just going to hurt a lot of people's feelings right now and it's cool. There's a really famous quote that says, um, it says this. It says, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. That's wrong. That's, you can't just walk through life, and I'm just really close with Micah, and I love Micah, and I'm just really nice to him, and I serve him every once in a while, and all of a sudden, he's going to understand the gospel and understand to get saved, and he's going to know there's a separation between him and God. No, there's a time in life where you're going to build relationships with somebody, but you have to open your mouth, and you have to tell them what we just learned tonight. There's a separation because a lot of people are really good and a lot of people have like all these good things about them. But if they never know that they're sinners who need a savior, it's pointless. Good deeds mean nothing. It's not just your life, it's your lips. And and Pastor Travis challenged us with something that I was very challenged by. I, I wanted to challenge us with this. When is the last time you or I actually told somebody about Jesus. I do it every week here. That doesn't count. That's my job. That's, that, that, that's really easy to do. Get on a stage and there's a bunch of students here. I can really tell them about Jesus. I'm talking my neighbor. I'm talking the guy at the gym that I can, the guy that I see at the gas station where I pump my gas. Or for you, it's your teacher or your best friend or coach, whatever it is. When's the last time you actually told somebody, hey, can we talk? Why would you do that? Because lost people need to be found because they're eternally separated from God otherwise. That's why we say go somewhere. Not so you can be a really good Christian and have a lot of, you know, notches on something that you introduce the gospel to people so that people can understand that they can find life and it's only found in Jesus. Because so many people don't know that. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I want to just challenge you guys with a couple really, really practical things. You guys have four days left of school. Some of you are done. That's cool. But most of you have four days left of school. And then the summer is going to come, and you're not going to be hanging out with a lot of the people you hang out with right now. Right now, you have a lot of relationships and friendships and stuff going on in your life that you're not going to have during the summer because maybe you have a few friends you hang out with. So here's what I want to challenge you with. Leverage the next four days leverage the next four days for what we just talked about tonight. 
Now I'm telling you, Summer Refuge is going to be awesome. If you're, if you're afraid that your friend doesn't like church, listen, we're going to have some awesome, awesome stuff happening before refuge and after refuge. And hopefully when they sit for a few minutes and hear the, the gospel and hear truth from the Bible, that God will start breaking their hearts. And maybe they came for basketball, or maybe they came for the slip and slide after refuge, or maybe they came for the park after refuge. But man, just like me, when I started coming for the music, they ended up staying because the gospel. Because sitting in a service, God did something in their hearts. We said it last week, but we made these cards not so we could say we had cool business cards. We made a bunch of these cards so you guys could take them, put them in your backpack, and say, hey, I really want you to come check out this thing I do every Sunday night. And this summer, we got some cool stuff going on. There's some summer refuge cards out there, too. Grab those. Maybe you want to invite them to camp. We see students come to Christ all the time at camp. They walk into camp thinking, this is really cool. I'm going to hang out, play a lot of games, stay in a cabin, eat cafeteria food, hang out with all these teenagers. And then they're going to sit in services, and Pastor Vance is going to tell them exactly what I just told you tonight. That every one of us is desperately in need of Jesus. It's going to click for them for the first time. And they're going to realize why they have insecurity and why they have fear, why they have anxiety, and why their parents are getting divorced. And why all this stuff is happening, it's because sin landed on the planet thousands of years ago, but God did something about it. But they don't know that yet. So they're living in it. They're dead in it. And just like that video said, God paid our sins so that everyone could have life, but they have to hear about it. If you miss spending time with God, you miss a huge, 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 the foundational part of being a Christian. If you miss doing something, if you miss getting involved in community and getting involved in your church and serving, you miss a really big part of what God wants you to do with you as a follower. But if you miss being on mission with your life, showing the lost people of the world that there's hope and his name is Jesus, you missed it. You missed out on what God has for you. There's a couple things we're doing at Refuge, man. I'm leading a trip to Thailand in October. The only reason I'm pushing that one is because I'm going to be a part of it. Man, if you feel like God's calling you to Honduras, go to Honduras. If you feel like God's calling you to Zambia or calling you to Egypt, we're taking an Egypt trip. If you feel like God's calling you somewhere at Hope, it doesn't have to be Thailand. But I'm just saying, I'm going to Thailand and I'm taking some students with me. And we're going to see God's kingdom happening all the way across the world. The same way it can happen in your locker room. The same way it can happen in your house. It's God at work showing everyone life.